me. Kyle is calling, Master. Hello. I know you're there, dude. Hey, sausage dick, man. Listen up. Brain scan. The ultimate experience in interactive terror. Brain scan is not board swoosh. Well, Kyle, what's the problem, man? This one will scare the hell out of you. Here, here, here. It's hot in your stuff. Brain scan. <laughs> um, here it is, here it is. Choose from chainsaw dismemberment, nightmare eight, da da da. Satisfy your sickest fantasies. <laughs> Far out, man. Igor, dial 1-800-555-FEAR. No, we're not covering death, 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 but we're doing a movie that to me sort of has pump up the volume meets Strange Days vibes with maybe some serenity sprinkled in. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, and we previously covered pump up the volume, Strange Days, and Serenity. I'm Kevin. In front of the PC across from me is Jim. Hey now. This week, a movie where one tagline was goodbye reality, welcome virtual reality. This was so perfect. Perfect mid-90s spotlight, interactive CD-ROMs, 20 years ahead of its time. That's what I think it was. I would maybe argue, like it was, we'll get to it in a moment, but it was very hot a time to do virtual reality. And actually there was a different story that was supposed to be told. But first, that movie was 1994's Brain Scan, directed by John Flynn. If you saw another John Flynn film, it was probably by accident. The more common poster tagline for Brain Scan was, want to play? I dare you an interactive trip to hell <laughs> okay i don't mind that it's more cheesy. notable than john flynn brain scan was written by andrew kevin walker and if you're a film person you would know that he went on to write seven which as you can imagine opened some doors especially with david fincher because they've continued to work together even up to this year as walker wrote the killer which is going to be released on netflix this november keep an eye out for that hey mr walker there you go walker's script originally went all the way back to 1987 and was focused around a vhs tape there was no trickster and the antagonist was just a voice who harassed michael by phone it was actually producer michael roy who added the virtual reality shit and the trickster virtual reality again was such a hot concept at the time there was like it came and went like yeah, that though. yes it did because yeah. like too expensive it's too expensive I and mean, when you look back on it and you see like the graphics and like lawnmower man it's and bad. you're like this is not virtuosity great. yes circuitry man video games in general were also booming in 1994 more on that later but you had virtual reality video games horror movie full I mean, motion video games all the elements yeah. and i get that the producer was trying to get the virtual reality trend and all of that but i can't help but wonder if this would have been a better movie as originally scripted I think it would have been more interesting. Now, nostalgia-wise, I think even better. Yes. Andrew Kevin Walker's work speaks for itself. And while this was his first film project, I bet, like, I just think that VHS movie would have been a classic. Yeah. Because it would have been released late 80s more so. Would have been the original intention. More relevant. Jim, did the horror clubs of America gather to go see Brain Scan? Maybe. Possibly. Or were they too busy in their rooms filming their neighbors and playing on their computers? Please give us budget box office news and number ones at time of release. 
WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Brain Scan came out. Brain Scan came out April the 22nd, 1994, to a $4.3 million budget. Could not find any box office data on this movie. I deep dived. I couldn't find anything on it. I, I will tell you, it didn't go well. They I can pulled, imagine. They pulled it from theaters in two weeks. Oh, which this movie's not that bad. Watching it now, I mean, it's cheesy, but so, it's not that bad. I, I was going to save this for my next section, but I'll go ahead and ask it now. It, it's an early critical question. This movie failed tremendously at the box office. Again, was pulled from theaters after two weeks, but now has quite a cult following. Before we give you the plot, so before we like dive into anything, Jim, do you think this movie would work better now, like if they remade it? I think they would. Absolutely. I, I think people are more isolated than ever. And like I think that the virtual reality technology is better than ever. Yeah. So I think if you, you and like there's Neuralink and there's like brain implants for social media and stuff. I just think all of this is much more realistic now and if you put it in a modern day setting i think it would work a lot better plus i think it would even work more at the height of the pandemic when everybody was on lockdown yeah a movie like this yep tremendous so listen up sausage dick man it's time for interactive cd-rom tech rotten tomatoes gave the film a rotten rating of 13 percent based on 16 reviews no metacritic for this movie whatsoever but some great movies you know after two weeks this gets Old, you need an alternative, you go to Blockbuster Video. Watch The Fugitive, which is great. We've referenced it tons of time on the show. Harrison Ford, excellent. Airborne, Ooh, we covered that. One of it. our personal favorite movies. Get that personal limousine revved up and then head to Pittsburgh for the third movie to see Bruce Willis on a boat in striking distance. Very underrated Bruce Willis movie. And I just read a report today that I guess his wife was trying to explain to him like the dementia and he just oh, he's not understanding. This seems to have hit him quickly. Like there was no lead to it. Just boom. I don't to hear that it's sad it's really really sad on to the news the beginning of the rwandan genocide the one regret the one regret that president clinton had during his presidency was not going in and intervening on the genocide the presidential guard of rwanda begins killing moderate politicians and public figures in kigali including the prime minister agathe uwilingi yaman it's fucking nuts it's yeah, awful it's it's sad and i totally agree that was probably the one time we should have intervened and yeah. stopped that shit because they were getting killed by the thousands every single fucking day could have done something however the one thing they did kevin and this is the government for you smoking became banned in the pentagon and all u.s military bases as that was happening so yeah instead of what you should be doing hey we get it smoking not healthy and smoking sucks but, but yeah priorities what the fuck branch davidian cult leader david koresh promises to surrender after completion of his seven seals manuscript kevin did you read the seven seals manuscript i've seen the seventh seal yeah, Mark bergman yes i have not read david koresh's work nothing compared to the koresh what a fucking another waco thing i mean for god's sake it's the most fucked up thing ever i remember not understanding what waco thing was about i remember like seeing news coverage and just being like i don't know what's happening i just know there's this this cult leader david koresh yeah some bad shit's happening the atf is storming it yeah. and they're lighting it on fire and then when you hear about the inner workings if only they had egg shen now on to kurt loader and mt TV news.
I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. The 39th Eurovision Song Contest, Paul Harrington and Charlie McGettigan for Ireland wins singing Rock and Roll Kids in Dublin. We were the rock and roll kids, and rock and roll was all we did, and listening to those songs on the radio. We got a little Cleveland news here for you because I have a little background because I worked at this station. WMMS, Jeff and Flash, the morning zoo, and the entire station staff are fired after the station was sold off. They led the buzzer to becoming the number one radio station for nine straight years. This is across the country, everybody. This is how great the buzzer was and helped create the morning zoo format. Yep. WMMS is one of those things I'm, that I am fucking proud to say I, I worked I on. I not say that this podcast far off from what Morning Zoo Radio was. <laughs> it's true. Oh, Kevin, with your Kazani attitude there, Egg Shan in the house. Voodoo Robocop coming back at you in the next hour. Arsenio Hall announces he will end his late night TV talk show in May. To love the Arsenio Hall show. He's Jason Voorhees on. He had like wrestlers on. That's some really awesome. weird shit. I loved Arsenio Hall. The dog pound, man. <laughs> Nothing's worse than seeing people in their 80s doing the dog pound thing where they can't <laughs> wrap their it. arm down. It's just sort of sort of weird arm gyration. Now on to George Michael and the sports, 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 sports machine. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. And welcome to the sports machine. To clinch their first NCAA national champion. The Arkansas Razorbacks defeat the Duke Blue Devils 76 to 72. Quite a big upset there in the NCAA tournament. Those Duke teams of the early 90s, unstoppable back and forth with UNC. But Arkansas made their way in to win their only national championship thus far and probably ever. No offense. The first game is finally played at the Jake. Jacobs Field should always be named Jacobs Field. I'm not calling it progressive. The Indians beat the Seattle Mariners 4 to 3 in 11 innings. Innings. Base hit down the left field line. The Indians have won it. Wayne Kirby has made the debut of Jacobs Field complete. Also in baseball at the time, which was very interesting, during the first month of the 94 season, which we know it ended up getting canceled, so no World Series champion was crowned that year. Probably would have been Montreal, to be quite honest with you. Two no-hitters were thrown in the first month of the MLB season. Scott Erickson of the Twins and Kent Merker of the Braves. It's a rare thing. I mean, there are still no-hitters, but we get maybe what? Once a year, maybe once every yeah. two years. Somebody who wasn't a baseball player, but her husband wanted to be. Tanya Harding sues ex-husband Jeff Galuli for $42,500. Get that 500 in there, Tanya, you psycho wench. Hi, Tanya. Amazing movie. Margot Robbie is fantastic. Such a great it? movie. Such a great movie. Back to the news. Former President Nixon suffers a stroke and passes away at the age of 81. And the number one song at this time in April 1994, and we've talked about it. We love this band. Kevin figured out there was two of them, not just one. The Sign by Ace of Bass.
was your number one song in America at the time. Now, Kevin, let's get those interactive movies going and let's spin it. All right. Igor, call 1-800-555-PLOT. I think the start of this movie is jarring. It's very jarring. Our main character, Michael, a lonely teenager, is having a nightmare about the car accident that killed his mom and left him with, what do we even call this, a permanent leg injury? A per- Yeah. Because an injury is not really permanent. He definitely like, had like a compound leg fracture. Yeah. It looked like hamburger meat. It's nasty. It's real weird. Yeah. Instead of setting up the plot, I feel like this is, it's starting the movie with a flashback, which is an odd thing to do. Yeah, because we don't know anything about the characters. I think it would have been better to see Michael abruptly wake up rather than for us to know he was just like, this was a dream the whole time. Yeah. Because like, imagine if the movie opened and you see this mangled leg and this kid crawling through the rain. Yeah. You'd be like, whoa, what's happening? But then you're seeing, you know, Michael kind of toss and turn in bed and you're like, well, that ruins the suspense. But maybe the dream was foreshadowing, Kevin. There you go. Maybe. So as we said, Michael lost his mom at a young age. It's implied that his dad is just like permanently away on business. Michael lives in this mansion alone. Why they have a mansion? Is this not the weirdest fucking house you've ever seen? In this mansion, he spies on the girl next door named Kimberly. Peeping Tom. He has a friend named Kyle and together they're in a horror club at school where they watch and play horror movies and video games. What exactly was that, Mr. Brower? A gallbladder, sir. My office. Now. Until it's banned by the principal. How long do you think this horror club went on for? I don't know. Because there's moments when this principal, Dr. Fromberg, seems like he's cool. And Mm. then 10 seconds later, he's an asshole. Kyle is telling Michael about a new ultra realistic game called Brain Scan, which Michael goes home and mail orders from the back pages of Fangoria magazine. The good old days. I read your ad in Fango and I just wanted to find out what's the big deal. It's the most frightening experience you'll ever have the displeasure of coming into contact with. Sure it is. Look, I've played them all. Brain scan's more than just a game. Yeah, right. Well, what's it about? That depends on the individual. What makes brain scan unique is that it interfaces with your subconscious. You supply the inspiration and we take care of the rest. The game begins with a warning that the game's experience is similar to being hypnotized. In the first mission or level or whatever we want to call it, it's a first person POV of being a murderer. All I heard was like the doom music in my head. So Michael must murder a stranger and take his foot as a souvenir. And there's a countdown clock. Yeah, he has like a... Like each level has, yeah. So the next day, and we'll put quotes here around the next day, Michael learns that the murder has actually taken place in the real world. And in local news, there was a grisly murder in the quiet suburban town of Mountview today. Late this afternoon, the body of 42-year-old William Tebbs was discovered in the bedroom of his home, located in an exclusive west side area of Mountview. Tebbs was brutally stabbed. It happened near here. Local police conducted a thorough search of the area. An intensive house-to-house investigation is now underway. Police are asking for the dun, dun, dun. Same details as the murder in the game. Michael is rightfully horrified. His friend Kyle begs Michael to borrow the game, but you can see why he doesn't want to give it to him. He's like, I killed somebody while playing this game. Hey man, back off, okay? And then at this point, the game's narrator, Trickster, materializes in Michael's room through the TV. And this should be a sign, right? <laughs> you think? He doesn't, Speaking of Ace of Base. He doesn't question it, yeah. Yeah. He's allowed me to introduce myself. My name is Trickster. 
Where were we? Trickster tells Michael that there was a witness to the murder and he must play the second disc to kill the witness. Eventually, Michael decides to go through with it, but he has no memory of playing. He remembers like starting the game. Yeah. He ends up finding his friend Kyle's bloody necklace in his freezer. He then immediately calls Kyle, but the call is answered by the police. Jesus, Kyle, talk to me. Kyle, please. Who is this? Answer me. So now he's paranoid at the prospect of getting caught. Trickster's telling Michael that he must kill Kimberly. Michael goes to her room but doesn't want to hurt her. Here, Trickster reveals that he's actually like Tyler Durden, an alter ego or a manifestation from Michael's mind. Who the hell are you? I can't believe you still don't know. Michael. Here, Kimberly begs not to be murdered. She tells Michael she loves him. She knows that he records her. She says, I take pictures of you as well. I'm fucking crazy as well. No, I love you. Believe me. I just kept it a secret. I never told anybody. But that's over now. You watch me from your window. I know you do. I've known for a long time. I want you too. Yes. Before they can resolve any of this, a police detective opens the bedroom door and shoots and kills Michael. Frank Langella, baby. Michael wakes up, finds out that the whole experience, the last few days or whatever it were, actually was just an hour or two that he was immersed in the game. It wasn't all just a dream, but it was all just a game. What is this? Hello there. You've just experienced brain scans. The ultimate experience in interactive terror. We're glad you decided to play. Our special state-of-the-art system releases a powerful reality-enhancing signal. We here at Scientific Perception Laboratories, makers of brain science, other games. He didn't murder anyone. His friend isn't dead. After destroying his room and his computer due to the trauma, <laughs> why? The experience actually gives him a new perspective, and he shows up at a party. Kimberly, Kimberly's, Kimberly's next door. Yeah. He asks her out. She says maybe, but she does kiss him. I mean, I'll think about it. It's not really a good time to ask. You know what I mean? <laughs> You'll think about it. Yes. But maybe, right? Not no. Maybe. Yes. Uh, maybe. So you mean uh, you and Taylor? Are you kidding me? Well, listen. Um, I have to get back. So. The next. So weird. Like, you got so. Are you. Maybe? Really? Oh, man. You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. The next day, as a sort of revenge, Michael brings a copy of Brain Scan to school for his principal to review. Good old Fromberg. Characters Edward Furlong is Michael, director John Flynn 
hated Edward Furlong. Make that too, Utah. He said he was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act, and he had to slap him awake every morning. He's not good. Now, Eddie Furlong, long-term battle with substance abuse and stuff. I mean, that's probably the reason why. Frank Langella returning to the podcast for the third time. Hell yeah. As Detective Hayden. His son must have loved this concept, (laughs) because otherwise he doesn't really have much of a role here. T. Ryder Smith is the trickster. What a name. Amy Hargraves is Kimberly. Jamie Marsh is Kyle. Interesting for two reasons. One, he was 27 years old playing a 16-year-old. Really? Two, he's no longer Jamie Marsh. After finding his birth family through Ancestry DNA this year, he changed his name personally and professionally as Jamie Galen. That's cool. Yeah. All right, that's awesome. Because I guess he was adopted and found... So, super cool story. Awesome. And then David Hamblin as Dr. Fromberg. Jim, anybody worth note, worth mentioning? There's like Uh, six uh, characters. There's like six characters. The trickster, maybe? Like, he's a little over the top. He doesn't have much of like a resume when it comes to like... No. Film acting. The dude was a theater actor. He was a theater actor, right? Yeah, he was really good. And he does the voice of uh, of Igor as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I like that. I thought he was really damn good. Kimberly, I will admit, though, weirds me out. Yeah. The character of Kimberly, I would have to say in the pantheon of the movies we've covered, 169 plus episodes, she ranks right up there on my weird scale. Like, I can't get a positive gauge he out of her. set her up with Kerbo. Dude. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, he doesn't have that level of, I'm going to find out where you are. If you don't tell me what you I'm going to fucking kill you. You know, shit like that. But she's equally fucked up, question mark, maybe. She's weird in the game. She's weird in the game. Well, her which, parents are weird. Yeah, but that's in the game. Yeah. And that's like a manifestation of Michael. So you you don't really know. But then when you do see her in real life, there's something off. Like she has a boyfriend, but. I mean, we start the movie off with him literally peeping Tom at her and we see boobs right off the bat oh, in the movie. He's not just watching her. Yeah. He's recording her on video and then watches the tapes later. Which is worse. That's now, way worse. Now, if there was a Sand Almost Fire 2, Kerbo <laughs> is doing that shit. Yeah, for sure. You don't have a guy's name. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right. Best scenes. Let's find out which scenes made a splash. I'm going first. I'm going to say Michael's principal can't understand the horror club. Even after Michael explains it is like a type of escape. Why do you watch these films? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Help me understand. I guess it's kind of an escape. Like, uh, like lighting up a marijuana cigarette and escaping the real world. Hmm? Like watching a pornographic sex film, getting an erection and raping someone? Is that what you mean? You know, I I don't think erections rape people. People rape people. Consider the horror club banned. Hey. Banned. You will bring me the next videotape or video game you plan to show. I will watch it if I can stand it. And if I approve, you will be allowed to show it. Until that time, the club is canceled. This is mine too. So Michael makes a deal with the principal that he's like, basically in order to avoid having the horror club banned that the principal is like, all right, I get it. But before you show anything in the horror club, I need you to give me a copy to review. So apparently the principal is like a secret horror movie fan. Cause he wants to watch all these movies. Did he also say, is it kind of like getting an erection after watching yes. pornography? Yes. It's so weird. At the end of the movie, Michael gives brain scan to the principal. Yes. What can I do for you, Mr. Brown? Well, uh, I have a game I want to show to the horror club. Brain scan. Yes, well, this should be entertaining. Yeah, I I really think it will. I think you have a lot of fun. (sighs) 
brain scan. As my wife said, she watched this with me. She's like, that is a dick move. You she just kept move. saying it. She was like, that is a dick move. She's like, he's going to fuck this guy up because to me, it's awesome. If this movie didn't bomb and it stayed in theaters, did reasonably well, I'm not saying anything through the roof. That leaves it open to do a sequel. There's, I have this in logic. So when he first looks into brain scan from the back pages of Hangoria and he calls the number. There are multiple missions or quests okay. or different ones. There's DLC. Like, there's like four different, you know, one, you might be a murderer, one, something completely different. So there could have been a movie for each dude, each quest or that'd, whatever. That'd be, we need to create our own brain scan game. That would be fun. How fucking great would yeah. that be? I mean, it's sort of like manhunt. Yeah. I mean, I think like man, like if manhunt was like a virtual reality, Remember how game. controversial that was, it, which you play it now. You're just like, okay, it's not really, any more controversial than no. anything else. No more controversial than Grand Theft Auto, for God's sake. Right. And you're killing prostitutes. The reveal that brain scan is real. Who killed that man? What was on that disc? The murder. What else? You know, for a minute there, I didn't think you'd go through with it. When he got up and started dancing around the room. Classic. How do you know? I was there. When you cut off his foot, it was art. It was magic. It wasn't supposed to be real! Real, unreal, what's the difference? When he gets out of brain scan for the first time, I was watching with my girlfriend. I got sick to my stomach because he, I guess you would say, logs out of it or whatever. He comes back Yeah. In. He's sweating. He chugs, chugs the milk. Chugs the milk. Chugs milk. Fucking, when I'm sweaty and I'm hot, I'm uh, not going after a warm milk. And then it pours all down. Uh, who drinks milk like that? First of all, the image of the fucking milk drop going down his neck, uh, I wanted to fucking vomit. Like, who in their right mind after something like that goes for a milk chug? Yeah. But the fact that he then finds out that the murders were real, like he goes over yeah. to Kimberly's parents' house. I don't know why the dad acts weird. Is it the fact that the dad knows that he's peeping on his daughter because it comes up? Hey, Michael's here. And the mother is totally like oblivious, doesn't really care. But he stares him down like he got caught sniffing the fucking pillows of her bedroom. Yeah. Like Kerbo. So before that, I mean, the first time Michael plays brain scan yeah. in the game, he's a killer. He has to kill a guy, take a souvenir, ends up being, he like saws off the dude's foot. Takes well, a lot of work. He's, so the dude's sleeping. It's just no idea who this guy is. This is random. Just a random dude sleeping in a bed face down. He stabs him in the fucking back while he's sleeping. Yeah. Doesn't kill the dude. The dude gets up and fucking knocks over every single thing in his room. And uh, touching onto the goddamn walls. And he's, yeah, he's not. He doesn't die. And then Mike, uh, Michael has to saw his foot off. But then, yeah, he goes to, to Kimberly's house and talks to her parents. And he finds out via the news, news. that this dude's actually dead or whatever. Can you tell Kimberly I'll be over later? But then Michael finds the foot at his house. <laughs> you know? Is a foot's just sitting on his table or whatever. The fucking foot in the dog. Yeah, and then there's a scene with the dog where he tries to bury the foot and the dog's like, <laughs> fuck you! Yeah. And then when Trickster comes out of the TV and he starts playing Primus and shit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. When Michael and Trickster combine with some of the worst special effects that were actually pretty standard for 1994. Horrendous. <laughs> Ah! 
like so, fucking awful. So bad. God. So apparently there's a deleted scene where oh no they used I guess like practical effects or made some sort of more like grotesque sort of thing. Yeah. So Michael and Trickster combine, but it's not like because like in this in the awful 1994 like Trickster swallows Michael and head then, and, and he just kind of has like a charred face and that's like but then his heel turn was basically green contacts and a yeah. fucked up face. Yeah. But apparently the originally there was some sort of like grotesque version that like terrifies Kimberly and they were very like pleased with it. But then for some reason they cut it out of the movie. Isn't it amazing that love triumphs over evil and she got him to break the cycle yeah. and then she got weird again. But my final one is we find out it's all a dream. Oh, it's it amazing. wasn't real. Yo, dick lick. I have been, I have been ringing your doorbell. I have been calling you for an hour. There is a party next door. No, it's Axel Rose. God, man, I missed you, man. man. Careful, man. You can impale yourself on my lucky charms, man. They're magically delicious. <laughs> it's good to see you, Kyle. I missed you. I love you. Dude, man, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, man. He didn't kill anybody. He's back. And then he proceeds. His father must be fucking rich because... I understand that's a mansion. It's a weird home. Why in his fit of rage and fear does he fucking destroy every expensive thing he owns? I get it. But all he had to do was destroy the brain scan disc. Yeah. You don't have to go back. No. You don't have to destroy your computer. You destroyed an answering system that wasn't going to be around for another 20 years. He breaks his lamp. Fuck the lamp. Like he had bad lamp memories or something like that. But he fucking destroys everything. I, I do like. So something I really like. He, he comes out of that. He destroys everything. And meanwhile. Kyle's been knocking on his door. He's like, I've been knocking on the door for a fucking hour. And Michael comes out and the greatest part, like I love movies that sometimes please explain it. I know that there's movies, Christopher Nolan movies like, Oh, just make the decision for yourself. In this one. I love that. Kyle's like, dude, that brain scan game turns out people were having Loved like, it. it's a good thing. You didn't order that brain scan tape, man. I saw something on the news about it. Like it's like hypnotic or some shit like that. No, no some kid in Texas was watching it. And I think he had an aneurysm. And, and I think his eyes exploded too. They explain every, like, they clearly just describe everything to you. Here's the thing. If you hear him breaking shit, don't you think he's your best yeah. friend? You would kick the door in and right. be like, what the fuck's happening right now? Well, it's so weird because he comes outside and he's like, Kyle, <laughs> I love you. I, I miss you. you. I love you. You're the best. It's like uh, almost like Tommy Wiseau. And then uh, <laughs> he's like, I must go see Kimberly. God. So anything else you want? to mention from best scenes from brain scan kimberly's just a weird fucking character i don't know why i just don't there's something about her just rubs me the wrong way i don't know what it is i get it i i can't explain it all right well i'm, I'm sure these are pretty nice houses i'm sure either michael or kimberly had a pool so let's get out of the pool hey kimberly i was watching you on the video screen in my room before i played brain scan and i noticed you had a titty out and i figured if your dad has a pool and our dads are friends can we go naked swimming pool check time Yay! When Michael talks to his dad, is that in brain scan after he's put the disc in? Ooh, good So is point. it an imagined phone call or is it I a thought it was real in, phone call? I thought it was in-game imagined. Because we get nothing from his dad. We don't know what we his dad does. We don't know how does. much time Michael spends alone. All we ever knew about his family is his mom died in a car wreck. That's yeah, it. pretty much. That's it. All right. Well, much like 1994 movies, there were a lot of heavy hitter iconic video games released that year. Hell of a year. We covered all of the 1994 
four Best Picture nominees on this podcast. And for this pool check, we're going to be picking our favorite video games from 1994. Before we dive into that, I'm going to tell you which games won the awards and made all the monies. Then we'll see if those games are reflected on our personal lists. The year-end awards shook out like this. EGM and Game Informer called Donkey Kong Country the game of the year. Game Fan Mega Awards called Earthworm Jim for Genesis and Clockwork Knight for Sega Saturn, the co-games of the year. Yikes. What is Clockwork Knight? I bet you never thought you'd be grateful for a platform game, but Clockwork Knight really is a cut above the rest. It looks great, it plays well, and it's probably the only game we've seen that'll make it over here when the Saturn is released next year. Then again, nobody had a fucking Saturn, so not that many played it. I don't remember much of it, but Earthworm Jim was fun. Not game of the year, but fun. Gamest Awards... King of Fighters 94 for Arcade. IAAPA Exhibit Awards said the game of the year was Ace Driver for Arcade, which I think those awards are specifically more arcade-based. Yeah. And I like the cut of the Video Software Dealers Association's jib because they said the game of the year was NBA Jam. Fuck yeah. He's on fire! The top five highest-grossing console games of the year in only the U.S. were NBA Jam, Donkey Kong Country, Mortal Kombat 2, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, and Street Fighter 2. The worldwide top five were Donkey Kong Country, Street Fighter 2, Final Fantasy 6, which moved over 2.5 million units in Japan alone, but only 275k in the US. Which I'm pretty sure Final Fantasy 6 in Japan was Final Fantasy 3 here. So Mortal Kombat 2 and NBA Jam. So without further ado, here's our top five. Alright, coming in at number five. I'm going to kick it off with the Game Informer and EGM Game of the Year, Donkey Kong Country. Those graphics in 1994 were ridiculous. I remember seeing that as a kid going, wow, how can graphics be, be, how can they be better than this? And then Mortal Kombat came out the year before. I'm like, oh my God, they used humans. This is real. My number five, Cruising USA. I'm going with an arcade game first because Cruising wasn't released for N64 until 96, but it was a blast. Just a racing game. It required you to reach timed check marks. But the coolest was that, like, you could change the music. It was so good. At the time, what a big deal that you could change the music tracks. Plus, those atmospheric sit-down cabinets were the best. Yes, and the landmarks you would drive past in the game. So you'd Golden Gate Park. Yep. You'd Washington, D.C. You literally were, like, driving and looking at the monuments. It was awesome. But just like the Daytona song, that cruising song was so good. So number four, personal favorite of mine. Kevin and I love this game. We experienced it when we went to MAGFest in 2015. Windjammers. Was that 94? 94 wow. Windjammers came out for the Neo well, Arcade slash Neo Geo. Dude, when I first discovered this game on Giant Bomb, I was blown away. It's literally a disc game. That all, so it's, fun. It's all it is. It's so much fun. I entered a tournament at MAGFest not playing in it. Somehow I got to the third round or something like that. Game is super fun. You got power-ups. You have some of the greatest fucking characters in that game. I don't care ever. I don't care what you say. Biagi from Italy is amazing. But yeah, Windjammers does not get enough credit. Limited Run Games did Windjammer release for PS4 and Switch. They came out with Windjammers 2, which I have not played. But Windjammers, 94, man, never got enough credit. If you haven't played Windjammers because it was Neo Geo 
an arcade. It sort of reminds me of like Super Dodgeball it for does. NES. Like yeah. sort of that. Like you got power-ups. You got a goal. You're trying to score yeah. goals. It's mm. pretty sweet. My number four, probably higher on your list, NBA Jam. Originally released for arcades in 93. It came to consoles in 94. Playability off the charts because of the rubber band AI. Yeah. You'd select a team of two from real NBA squads, which the console versions were based on 93-94 NBA rosters. Quickly, Jim, who was your team? Orlando Magic with Scott. Scott Skiles being my main guy, not Nick Anderson. Okay, so you'd have two players on each team. You basically man-controlled one, and the computer man-controlled the other, but yep. you could still you could swap. Make them, yeah. and you Pass could make, or shoot. Yeah, so there were I don't know, a handful of guys on each team and you could do your preferred combination of the two. Yeah. I liked Detlef Shrimp and Kemp. That was good. On the Sonics, but I mostly used the Cavs. Notable absences, Michael Jordan, Shaq, Gary Payton, because they all owned the licensing rights to their own likenesses basically but get this fact i never knew i had to text you this today and spoil it nba jam developers made michael jordan and gary payton their own version of nba jam with them together as a team for their own personal use god damn dude so that's two known copies that gary payton had one michael jordan had one and i guarantee some of the developers or programmers were like i want to make myself a copy of you this. know they did so i would guess maybe there's 10 copies of this ever per produced or made that's got to be the holiest of collecting grails if one of those ever showed up at auction especially if there's less than five ever made. i bet it's just a solid black cart michael jordan's and gary payton's probably had some special label or something either especially or it's not labeled it just might say basketball game if i ever met michael jordan or gary payton michael jordan would have no idea what you're talking about gary payton might gary payton still plays it oh he still does every day um you get that new sega genesis <laughs> so i wonder so it's interesting though because like the developers took the time to do this but rather than like putting Jordan on the Bulls and putting Peyton on the Sonics he made their own team they just were like we're just gonna throw you guys they're the dream team because it would have it must have been easier to to reprogram it that way too bad there wasn't a way for them later on as soon as say they signed some sort of agreement where they say you can use my likeness but Michael Jordan went 20 million dollars not DLC but enter a code well remember the good old days of the code not appearing on my list but there's a Jordan game in 94 and the reason you know the reason he wasn't on NBA Jam is so he could be on his own games. And he it was Michael Jordan Adventures in the Windy City. Or Chaos in the Windy Chaos City. Chaos in the Windy City. Fucking horrible. Yeah, so bad. It's but, like Shaq Fu bad. Yes, but God forbid, you know. It does make you wonder why Shaq didn't get his own copy. Weird. I mean, he would have been in tournament edition, not the standard NBA Jam, because yeah. that was Scott Skiles and Nick Anderson. But it makes you wonder why they were like, hey, we made a copy for Michael Jordan and uh, and Gary Payton. Shaq was like, oh, baby. Listen, we're dealing with I'm Kazam. I'm Steel. I got a rap album. I can't do this shit right now. <laughs> they uh, maybe it's because the odd number. It's like, good. They put Peyton and Jordan. They were like, uh, Shaq, we we put you on the game, but we had to put you with Egg Shen. <laughs> I was just gonna say Shaq and Shen. <laughs> There we go. We got a buddy cop movie with Shaquille O'Neal and Egg Shen. Shaq and Shen. Shen and Shaq. Bring it on. Number three for me, Road Rash for Sega Genesis. Another game yes. that I don't think gets the credit it deserves. Now, you play it now. Frame rate's not great. No. It's 15 frames a second. But it's the fact that you can go every stage as a destination point from one point to another. Basically, in those early rounds, 
When you have a very weak bike, you use chains, you use billy clubs, you use yep. bats to knock your opponent off their bike. You run from the cops. Yep. You can knock the cops the off best, the bike. The best is when you hit a little jump and that's when you swing and hit somebody and they go flying off their bike while they're in midair. You know what's great though? When you would put in a code to have like the Diablo 1000 uh-huh. bike and it was faster than anything else and you hit a jump, you can go the whole level. Yeah. Just about. So Road Rash is the perfect example of why video games were so odd at this time. Yeah. And that was made by because, EA. Because you had SNES, you had Sega, Sega Genesis, but then you also had 3DO, Sega Saturn. <sighs> And like those 3DO, $700. Yeah, but those systems were so technologically advanced over what SNES and Genesis were but doing. But that 3DO version is probably the definitive one because oh, it has amazing. the soundtrack, a sound garden. Yeah, you got so amazing. much spring. Yeah, at cutscenes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like great. So much cooler. All right, my number three is Donkey Kong Country. So I think everyone who remembers Donkey Kong Country also remembers the Donkey Kong Country promotional VHS tape. Whoa, and it blows your mind. It's all the shading and stuff. It's really well shaded. Everything looks so rounded. And you're really going to think that it's a game that's a generation ahead of its time. Yeah, it's brilliant. Last second timing stuff in there where you have to jump real quick. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people are going to be surprised at the kind of uh, game that Donkey Kong Country yeah. is. Yeah, I remember those. Which I remember I had them. I think I threw them away. Yeah. And now they're actually worth money, I think. This thing had a mega marketing campaign. I'm pretty sure they did a bundle where you could get Donkey Kong Country with the SNES. But there is a great backstory to this game. It was made by a developer named Rare. Rare was started in 1985 by two British brothers. Originally, they were working on developing a console for the Japanese market. So they studied the NES console in 1983, and then they went to Nintendo and showed Nintendo they were able to reverse engineer and build their own NES. And Nintendo was so impressed that they were able to do this that they issued a Nintendo developer license to Rare, which, pardon the pun, was sort of rare because the licensed versus unlicensed NES game thing is a rabbit hole for another time. Rare went on to develop 60 games for the NES, including Battletoads and a port of Marble Madness. Oh, yeah. When Nintendo released the Super Nintendo, or SNES, Rare took a huge risk. They decided to take a step back and limit their output. They invested all the money they made from their NES work into a company called Silicon Graphics, or SGI, so Silicon Graphics, Inc., for the most technologically advanced video game workstations ever. So their plan was like, they're all in. We know N64 is coming. It's in development. We're going to not even bother with SNES. We're going to make games for NES, skip SNES, and develop games for N64. That's what we're set up for. But these workstations allowed them to render 3D models, and like it really gave them a lot of juice. The plan was, again, to skip over SNES, go straight to N64 with 3D renderings, 3D models. But what happened was Nintendo came to them and asked them to make a game based on the Donkey Kong license. And despite Nintendo's history of being very protective of their license properties, because you can't like... Nintendo is notoriously assholic for their properties. You can't even review stuff on YouTube without getting flagged anywhere. Right. They're like, we don't like Mario's mustache. Fix it. (laughs) 20 people in total worked on Donkey Kong Country for over 18 months for 12 to 16 hours a day. Yikes. Which at the time was seen as like incredible, but now it's what 
literally all video game developers are fighting against. Yeah, like Rockstar and yes. stuff like that. Um, at the time, the most man hours ever invested in a video game. And now, you know, it's probably the amount of hours they put into like Grand Theft Auto 6 in a week. Pretty much, yeah. At the Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago in June of 1994, audiences were stunned. They literally were in silence because they, they saw the footage of Donkey Kong Country and were so impressed and they thought it was a launch title for N64. It was insane. I remember this. And because it didn't seem possible for SNES. So when it was revealed that it was for SNES, people like erupted. They could not believe that this was coming to SNES, which always happens with video game consoles. Like Little Samson, like came out in 93 for the NES. Yeah. Snow Brothers, like the most technologically advanced video games are the last ones on any system, yep. you know? So it's like always when they're still releasing PS2 games in 2006 or exactly. whatever. Video game companies has revitalized the classic just in time to make it on Santa's list. This is a new 3D version of Nintendo's Donkey Kong. More than 2 million uh, have been pre-sold to retailers. It's generated through some breakthrough computer graphics that also happen to be used uh, to make the dinosaurs come to life in Jurassic Park. It's compatible with the existing Nintendo 16-bit Super NES. And yes... It went on sale today. Obviously, it went on to break all sorts of sales records. For two weeks, it outpaced the highest grossing film at the box office, The Santa Claus, and outpaced the highest selling album, Miracles, The Holiday Album. After all was said and done, it ended up being SNES's third highest selling game of all time behind Super Mario World, Super Mario All-Stars. Well, Super Mario World, you kind of have to stretch that because that was a pack-in game. Yes, it was. Yeah. So, and speaking of collecting... If you manage to find the blockbuster video Donkey Kong Country competition cart, it is the rarest SNES game, a max of 2,500 copies in existence. So basically blockbuster, you could go into a blockbuster they had their exclusives and they had like exclusives. And this one was so, supposed to be so you could compete at Donkey Kong. These things ended up getting sold in like bargain bins because it was like a promotional item. Managers probably took them. I mean, this thing, if you found it now, probably fetch it 500 bucks at See, least. I can't remember if there was any like promotional cards, but I remember when we had our Blockbuster at Eastwood Mall, I entered the 1993 Blockbuster Video Game World Championships and they would have like, yeah. you know, your local regional Blockbusters and you'd go on and on and on. And I remember NBA Jam was the first round game, but you have to look at both games and I was more prone to NBA Jam on Sega. Uh-huh. Problem was, I can't remember what the second game on Sega, but I wasn't good at it. So I had to play the NBA Jam game on SNES because the second game I was better at fucking got eliminated first yeah. round because I was not good at NBA Jam on SNES at all. You're probably NBA playing Jam against 40-year-old men. Probably, but I, I'm pretty goddamn sure I had a shirt at the time, but one of those things you wear a lot is you can't get trashed and you throw it away. Probably incredible piece of... <sighs> probably, and I fucking hate myself. Number two for me is probably controversial, but it might be the definitive baseball game of all time. It's K and Griffey Jr. Baseball, Ooh. probably the greatest baseball game of all time. Like I said, basically everybody in the Major League Baseball did not have an MLB license. However, their quote unquote likenesses for the time in 94, as close as you can get, were in the game, but the names were different. Sands, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. So it had this cool ability. I don't know if you kids are hip to it, that you could basically change the name of yeah. every player in the game to Major League rosters. There are people that played 162 yeah. game seasons on 
on this and kept, and I had friends who did this, had composition notebooks and they kept stats of every game they ever played at King Griffey Jr. Baseball. A couple times my game erased. Oh! You know, like where you do go change the names and you play, uh, because playing, I remember like playing NBA Live and playing King Griffey Jr. Baseball and you play a season and you just keep your stats and stuff. It was great. It was awesome. And then every once in a while because of the technology, there wasn't memory cards, there weren't hard drives. So it was just like it was stored internally in the cartridge. You better hope that battery doesn't die. Yeah, exactly. And then it would just erase. And but you put all that time and effort into King Griffey Jr. Baseball. Remember when the No Mercy carts would do the same thing? Yep. There were like defective No Mercy carts. Remember mine? I had all the creative characters on mine and then it got fucking wiped. Oh, man. All those hours. And it's so bad when you think about it. I probably put what, over 100 hours into creative wrestlers in that game alone? I, Fuck. I, I'm very much a person who does that with video games. It must be something about how my brain's wired, but yeah. I still play. It's like NBA 2K15 and I would play it. I mean, I I have, I hate to admit, like probably thousands of hours. Because for me, it's like, it's the equivalent of like smoking pot and zoning out. Like yeah. I just, it's your at escape. the end of my day, I just, yeah, I'm just going to throw this on. I'm a PS3? Mindless, PS3. Yeah. I'm going to mindlessly play this, uh, this 2K15. Well, one day it like froze up. It was like a thing where the ball went out of bounds. I'm running around the court with my player, but the ball wouldn't like inbounds. Yeah. yeah and it just, that's And it. then after that, it just won't load past a certain point. You know what's bad? I stopped at GameStop during my lunch break today in the mall. It's the only time I ever go to GameStop. They're trying to get rid of stuff so bad. Like, if you find four games for under five bucks, you can get them for ten bucks. The whole thing. They were selling NBA 2K21 99 cents. Oh, 99 cents. Sports games, man. You the, uh, people Dime buy a them, dozen. People buy them every year. And then get rid of the, them. By the next year, they go to $20. By two years later, they're $2. Yep. My number two, sort of a sports game, Super Punch-Out. Oh, your favorite. It was on SNES. A, a sequel to Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, except for in Japan, is the fourth Punch-Out game. It was basically just a jazzed-up version of Punch-Out with newer style graphics and perspective. You're still Little Mac. Some of the same characters appeared, like Bald Bull and Super Macho Man. Who Gabby J. Is a pain in the ass. Uh, Bob Charlie, Aaron Ryan, Arian Ryan, I guess he is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I played Punch Out, Super Punch Out enough that I probably held some world records. Like, I'm not joking about that. You beat that in one sitting when well, I. Yes. Yeah, so place, that's yeah. what I was going to bring up. Even then, I could never beat it. There was Nick and Rick Bruiser. I don't remember which one was first. I could beat the first one. I'd get to the second one and just couldn't even budge. One night at Jim's house, probably what, 10 years ago? Yeah, it was 10 years ago. I sat down. I put it in. I played it from start to finish and I beat it first try. It was fucking incredible. My favorite gaming accomplishment probably ever because it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, so good, I was man. like dialed in that day that I was just like, hey, I'm going to play this for the first time. It's probably the first time I played it in years and just sometimes that's what you need though. Like if you're if you're playing a game and you're trying to beat a part, the more you fail, the more frustrated yeah. you get. You take a break, you come back next day and you beat it the first try. It like helps. Tony Hawk. Yeah. Like Tony Hawk, I can remember always trying to hit a trick and trying it 50 times, getting mad. Next day I'd like turn it on and just hit it the first time. Still waiting on my Mike Tyson's punch out glory. Still One of these days. On Mike Tyson's pro skater. Oh. I loved when Mike Tyson did the fucking kickflip to stalefish indie grab 50 Tyson. So my number one, one of those games for Sega Genesis right now that is 
so pricey it's held its value we're coming up on halloween kids it's castlevania bloodlines fucking hardest shit right off the rip they don't fuck around with this game bloodlines is an amazing castlevania game i love the ones for nes i especially have a love for simon's quest as bad as it is how badly shit on that game was i have a special place in the heart when this came out for genesis i loved when super castlevania 4 came out for snes i'm like dude you know you have the rotoscoping the parallaxing incredible this with a sega spin on it with that sound chip nothing beat a castlevania soundtrack on a sega genesis sound chip my number one is is similar because i went with the first and only contra game in the series to be released on sega genesis contra hardcore oh yeah c-o-r-p-s the original contra for nes probably my favorite video game of all time definitely my favorite two or three but on any given day it might be my number one it was cool to have a 1994 video game that had multiple branching storylines and endings depending on how you played it but it's like jim said they basically took the classic formula of the first three contra games put it on Sega with the different sound chip, whole different feel to it. Was it was great. Awesome. The other game in contention with Contra that's my favorite game of all time is probably NHL 94. Yeah. It was actually released in 93. So we couldn't put that on there. Yeah. So a couple others released this year that were notable. I mentioned Sonic 3, Super Metroid, Earthbound, which I like not for me. It got more prominence and popularity later on after it was all said and done. But there a great was also RPG. A, a Earthbound SNES because I remember the, the box yeah um, or it came in the big box with the manual yeah. i mean the strategy guy yes there you go killer instinct yeah ki lion king for sega very hard give me aladdin for sega not yeah. super nintendo it's interesting because going back i'm not going to say really any more on donkey kong country i gave you a, a whole speech but donkey kong country was like made specifically like they were assigned that mission because of snes's battle with sega and specifically the holidays coming up the sega's nintendo wars were fucking incredible i mean they did console wars the yeah. book they did a movie about uh, it's crazy yeah but like games like aladdin and stuff were doing really well yeah excellent and lion yeah. king for sega an interesting one speaking of console wars beavis and butthead <laughs> because for whatever reason so bad. different game for each system yeah. sega snes and game gear literally were all different systems while different games same for with jurassic park yeah different game for every system yeah i had a beavis and butthead tiger electronic i wish i still had maybe i'd still do something. i think i still have it upstairs and then finally, last one I'll mention, the need for speed for Windows. I couldn't pick it because it wasn't released for PC until 96. It was released on 3DO in 94, and then PC, PS1, and Sega Saturn in 96. There you go, 3DO again. I used to have so much fun playing it at this dude's house named Jeremy Hall. Jeremy Hall's nickname was Worm, and I hadn't seen him in like 15 years. So then like, I think this is probably 2009, 2010-ish, I get approached at a bar at the ice house this person recognizes me and he's like hey kevin what's up and i'm like i don't know who this person <laughs> is i'm like looking at him and he's like it's me remember me it's worm i was like oh yes of course <laughs> It's worm. Okay, well, fuck. How's that game? Yeah. <laughs> Can I come over and play? Uh, it's Need for Speed. Need for Speed. You That's know? when it was called The Need for Speed. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really it was fun. Great. It was like, uh, I just loved that you had a little bit of free run or sandbox capability. And still simulatory yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because you could turn around yeah. and then you could leave the, the real big burn marks in the street. You it was cool. shit. Like, it was awesome. Really liked it. All right. Well, let's get back in Michael's creepy pool. Hey, Igor, dial brain scan 1 800 55. Hi, Kimberly. 
You haven't been in school lately. No, I haven't. I've been sick. Sorry to hear that. I really am. We heard a lot about you today from your classmates. Really? Well, I hope good stuff. Well, no, to be perfectly frank, Michael, you were described as, um... What was that word they used, Sergeant? Frightening. Frightening and strange and weird. Freak came up a couple of times. All right, actual critical question this week. Would you enjoy playing a game like this? Like, that's so realistic that you cannot separate reality. And we don't know the effects, right? We're going yes, into this cold. Correct. We just order yep. from Goria. As a kid, if I'm in 94, I'm 13 years old. I'm seeing stuff like Sega CD and like Night Trap, and I'm thinking it's fucking incredible. I want to be more immersed into it. I would have to try this as a curious kid. Now, it would depend on one of those four carts, what you know brand I would want to buy. I don't know if I'd want to do the murder one, but I'd want to do something yeah. in which I can escape reality. I, you know, I one of my favorite episodes we've done is Strange Days, and Strange yeah. Days kind of explores this. Like you could buy the playback discs and like literally do anything. Like you could see what it feels like to jump off a building. You could see what it feels like to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Literally endless possibilities. So that's sort of what this is. But in a lot of ways, this movie reminds me of like Inception. So let's move on to logic so I can explain further. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I put, um, I just ordered this game. It's called Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch Make My Video for Sega City, okay? And I tried to make my own video, but I kept failing every goddamn time. So guess what, Mr. Sega Man? I'm gonna fucking kill you. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Hey, Michael, I really, really like how you stalk Kimberly. <laughs> Hey man, great tits, okay? <laughs> um, so this movie sets up some rules that Trickster only exists in the game. So if we're seeing Trickster, we're in the game. Sort of like in Inception, there's totems, you yeah. know, there's the uh, the top, the, uh, the item he spins. But at the end of the movie, when Michael gives the principal the game, we see Trickster in the principal's chair. So is this still inside Michael's game? Did the game actually never end? Would that not be the greatest possible thing for the trick to be like you're not done with me yet pal yeah i'm gonna fuck with you by helping you fuck with him yes like the game never actually ended and now this is the next mission where he just has to kill the principal but then we'd have to go why is kyle still alive then nobody got killed because that's all a plot twist of the game i mean I like it's, it. it's like a dream within a dream it's inception yeah. what if he's just trapped what if he's now because basically when kyle explains it to him he's like people are having aneurysms and stuff what if michael is now like in the real world a vegetable Ooh. and he is just permanently stuck we technically could do a brain scan sequel now and he's just super old he's comatose what if kyle gets him out of brain scan how great would that be he's now killed 487 people <laughs> He pulls him out. He's not trapped like Colonel Abrams anymore. Yeah, he wants to go to prison and atone for his uh, sins. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just thought that was fascinating because I was like, wait a minute. If we see Trickster at the end of the movie, we're not in the real world. We're still in the game. Nolan saw this movie, didn't he? He did. He Inception fucking made Inception from brain scan. Ripped off a brain scan. Damn, dude. This movie was so far ahead of its time in so many ways. Kevin, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. Kevin, you ever have a nightmare? Yeah. Like a really like yeah, vivid, sure, yeah. scary nightmare. You ever have sweaty arms coming out of a nightmare? I don't I don't think so. I saw that. I almost got sick again. I think it's fucking gross. He's got milk coming down his uh, mouth and he got sweaty ass arms. 
Listen, I've done cycling for 30 miles. I've run on a treadmill. I've never got wet arms. Sweaty arms. Sweaty it's fucking gross. I don't know, like, how to explain it, but Michael thinks he's playing a video game, okay? But when we see him sit down to play Brains Can, do we ever see him hold a controller? He literally just sits in a chair and leans back. What he does game, the rock away. What game are you playing? I mean, you would think game wise at that time, you have to at least have him pick up a control and then something happens. Yeah, because how like, OK, you're a killer in the game. Well, how do you control the killer? It's not like 40 year old virgin where Andy sits yeah. down and he has fucking joysticks on the damn chair. It must be like Neuralink. So this it must be, be like a near future where these virtual reality games are more common. You just control it with your mind. It'd make more sense. So here's another thing to kind of let's get with Kim. Kimberly right now what is with at the beginning I'm pretty sure this is before he jacks in the brain scan we get this weird video shot that is almost going at five frames a second where you just have a slow-mo I'm pretty sure this is his video capture of her you oh, see yeah. her do this slow-mo phone answering thing Michael one sick puppy Igor yes Dial Kimberly And then as soon as she picks it up, he basically does anything less like, <laughs> why is there such a slow-mo well, of her? It's, like, it's also weird because it's like you said, he has a video call technology that's 20 years ahead. It's like, it's like Robocop, Robocop 3. What does his dad do? That's the biggest logic His dad logic is Robocop point. 3. His dad is Robocop? Is he do voodoo? He's Robocop 3. He's just the third version. He's the third version. His dad's Robocop 3. Wait a minute. Michael is Alex Murphy's kid. There you Makes go. perfect sense. Did you feel like you missed something when we don't see Michael kill Kyle? Yeah. Like, I watched it on Tubi. I watched this a long time. Wait a minute. I'm like, it just jumps straight into him finding this the necklace. necklace in the freezer. I'm like, he, the mission's not actually him killing Kyle. First. First off, I didn't know what the fuck that meant because it was Angela who was like, he killed Kyle. And I was like, oh, he wore that? I was like, I had no fucking Yeah, they clue. don't ever set it up. Like, they set it up after yeah. because when he returns to what we think is the real world, Kyle's like, yeah, look at my necklace, like whatever. And he points it out, but they needed to do that before yeah, so that we would have understood the reference. Get out of here. I have mono. Fuck you. I mentioned this earlier briefly. So Michael has the foot. He tries to bury it in the woods. Somehow this rando dog this German yeah. shepherd shows up, starts stealing the foot, try to run away with it. Somehow, Edward Furlong has the power of Scientology to be able to manipulate a dog to bring the foot back. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Brings the foot back. The dog was almost like, watch this, pal. Goes around a corner, brings his yeah. owner. Uh -huh. So as the owner comes with the dog and he's basically like, what do you see, boy? Edward Furlong is laying down on the floor of the woods, on the ground. He's there. Clear as day. He's not hiding behind a lot of bushes. The dog literally goes up to him, starts licking and moaning his face. The owner of said dog stands over <laughs> Edward Furlong, yeah, right. looks directly down uh -huh. and goes, what are you looking at, boy? Walks away. Are you fucking kidding I, me? I, my wife and I both said this. We were like, here's the thing. If the owner of the dog saw him, it wouldn't have mattered. 
Yeah. He could have just been like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm fucking weird. Like, you know. But like, he could have acknowledged the fucking weird kid. Yeah, he's just like a kid sitting in the bushes. He could have just been like, what are you doing? Or, wait a minute, am I getting too Christopher Nolan? Is he not really there? I don't know. Maybe he is. I, but like, they could have even done something, been like, Trickster could have been like, Michael, yeah. that guy saw you. Yeah, something. You have to kill him now. You have to kill the dog. Would that not make sense? Guy. Yes. Eat the dog. You have to eat the dog. So, speaking of the dog, we didn't even mention this scene. When Frank Langella's partner gets shot at the new new build construction, yeah. it's just this dude who's just there helping sweep the area for the killer. The cop comes up and the dude just turns around and fires without... I have a lot of logic with this whole thing. First off, do we even know what city this takes place in or suburb? It's filmed in Vancouver and I'm pretty sure it's like on the New Jersey, Pennsylvania border. It's supposed to be New Jersey, but the phone numbers are Pennsylvania. Okay. Are we not to assume that there's not a big enough police force that frankly Angela can't get officers instead yeah. gets a neighborhood watch. Yeah. Tells them. Stay in pairs. One walking, talking to a group. Hopefully this will be an uneventful evening. You're here to keep things calm. To protect. That's what a neighborhood watch is all about. If you see anything unusual, you come and report directly to me. One last thing. I know you're volunteers. I know you're enthusiastic. Some more than others. And I know some of you own hunting rifles and revolvers. If I see a weapon in a citizen's hands tonight, I'm going to confiscate that weapon and I'm going to arrest that citizen, even if it's a water pistol. Clear? Okay, that's it. Thank you for doing this. Then all of a sudden you got a posse. All with guns. Posse comitatus happened on with guns. And then his partner, who literally saw Edward Furlong do the lurch run yeah. out of the woods, mind you, selling the gimmick. I give him credit on that. All of a sudden, <laughs> the one fucking neighborhood watch guy guns the fucking guy down. And apparently everybody's like, oh, that's yeah. the murderer. Yeah. Frank Langella basically no sells it by not saying that's my partner. Yeah. He just said, which one of you would like to tell us what? And then yeah, walks no, away. He says, Who wants to call his wife? Don't you think if I, that's your partner? I love the cop that grabs Edward Furlong, grabs Michael, and he's like, hey, they just shot the killer or whatever. And he's like, he's like, get out of here. He's like, he's a kid. What are you doing? Don't you know they just shot the killer? But I can't remember at this point in the movie, aren't we already to assume that Langella thinks this kid, there's something wrong with Michael. Yes. He literally has showed up at every murder scene. So he literally is a, a person of interest. You're telling me well, there's not some sort of picture. These cops are fucking terrible. They're Horrible. Lots of reasons, but you definitely can't go into a 16 year old's home with no parents present, question him, and then later on enter his house and take evidence out of his fireplace. He did a B&E. Yes. He did a B&E. He did a B&E and, &E. <laughs> and took evidence. I'm pretty sure the judge would be like, you fucked up, pal. You were throwing the whole case out. Skeletor shows up as Gold Skeletor saying, I have the power yeah, of B&Es. Yeah. He's like, no, you don't. No, you don't, motherfucker. This I got so a, much logic. It's a mistrial. Um, I got a ton. Okay. So my my biggest logic issue probably beyond the um the Cobb inception thing where I'm I'm convinced Michael the fact we see tricks or Mike's Michael stealing he never escapes he's a vegetable explain how before Michael plays brain scan just by calling the brain scan number he gets electrocuted <laughs> I understand. AOL never did that to me, man. I understand that happening once he starts playing the game because of his inability to separate reality. This is before 
brain scan. Yeah. He's sitting in his chair. He's talking on his, his video call to the number of brain scan. And apparently they have some paranormal powers to be like, is this real enough? Cause he's like, I fucking played everything, man. I've played every game you got. This ain't going to be shit. And they're like real enough for you. And they electrocute him remotely. Here's the thing. I also find it incredible too. Like, okay, he has a physical CD, which is a very thick yeah. square CD thing. I don't know. But you would think he would play that at his computer. It goes to the main TV. How <laughs> does it go all the way to the main TV? There's no cords anywhere. Yeah. It just shows up brain scan. How? Why? I want to know, Langella. Here's another thing, Kevin. We've been best friends for a very long time. We've known each other for 20 years. There's not been an instance in my life where I have just a random picture of you on my wall in my bedroom. <laughs> I saw that real quick. I'm like, why does he have a picture of his best friend? Not with him in it. Just yeah, him right. on the wall. Do you love your best friend, pal? <laughs> I, I don't get it. That's yeah. That's very weird. <laughs> that's so weird. It's very strange. He doesn't have pictures of Kimberly on his wall. Well, no wait, does he? Well, oh, we don't know. He's, he's got turbo. more things of, of, Kim, of Kimberly. Yeah, but I saw it's a throwaway scene. Yeah, but I'm I like, even, and it's him like smiling like ever so lovingly. I'm like, there, what? I think there's also some man. Uh, there's a poster on the wall. It might be a T2 poster or something. There is like a poster of a movie Edward Furlong. Oh, okay. movies like to do that sort of thing. Pretty good turnout for a horror club at a high school. It's a lot. I mean. I get why the principal wouldn't allow you to watch death, death, death at a school. But it didn't seem like a club to me. It just seemed like these kids were cutting class yeah, and just went into just a room with like a TV. They snuck off and took the AV club's TV and watched this movie. It yeah, it was weird. Ads in the back of magazines aren't really a, a thing anymore. But I miss those. Very fascinating. What? Ads in magazines kind of what? Became Craigslist, Reddit, back pages. Is Craigslist a thing anymore? I can't remember the last time I, I went on Craigslist. Facebook Marketplace probably killed Craigslist. I'm yeah. afraid of going on Craigslist the now. Fucking Craigslist so I can killer. Only imagine what's on there. Yeah. The last people using uh, Craigslist. Who wants used teeth? Um, but yeah, imagine. I mean, just think about this younger audience out there. Think about opening a magazine, seeing an ad that was probably two by two, and literally calling and using your own money, credit card by phone, to buy something that you saw a two by two square of. Sight unseen. Sight unseen. <laughs> yeah, you're just risking just based it. on a description. Open pray yeah uh is the principal even set up for pc gaming does he even have the right rig <laughs> if he has anything he has a, a fucking apple too he plays I mean, oregon trail michael gives him the the disc and i'm like well michael's playing it on his tv i don't like where's the principal even gonna play this thing yeah it would be funny if he was playing it in his principal's office because there's no reason and finally i do love that trickster draws the line of country music thank he, god like, electrocutes himself he stabs himself in the eyes he like does he scratch himself and bleeds everywhere but then he's like no country western music thank god but you have to like when they drive the point home when they say country and western yeah. music yeah, right legacy of this movie i mean it's a cult classic it is fascinating to think about these you know this movie applies more so to present day than it did it does 94 because of like again Neuralink and all these things that are just like giving us the ability to play things in our brain we're getting closer to where something like this is possible yeah i'm really scared of the idea of being trapped in a dream forever trapped in a video game forever you ever have those dreams that you can never wake up from it's like night paralysis scariest fucking like thing ever man i thankfully i've never had sleep paralysis had it once scared the shit out of me yeah all right stick around for some plugs 
Hey, this is Justin from Dead Ink Apparel, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show and all of the other ones in our back catalog. And you can find those on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and wherever you get your podcasts from, because we are there. And never forget to like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow on Facebook. Join the Pool Sceners group for exclusive content. You will get it there first. Instagram. Instagram, Twitch, Threads, TikTok, and YouTube at Pool Scene Podcast. We are all over the place, so you will never get one opportunity to miss us anytime, anywhere. And as always, back to Kevin. I've never really thought about it, but Final App Guy, you're kind of virtual reality, aren't you? Yeah! The Final Lap! All right, there's some interesting news for me if it comes to fruition. There's a rumor that Paramount is trying to acquire the rights to Halloween 3 to make a six-episode series based in that universe. Ooh, I have mixed uh, feelings because what without Dr. Chalice and Silver Shamrock and stuff, like... What are you expanding on? Exactly. What is the universe? Now, if it continues the story from where it ended, because Halloween 3, spoiler, doesn't have a happy ending. No. He stopped, you know, like, he called the stations to turn off the... the broadcast the signal but it still was going to get broadcast what year did halloween 3 come out again 84 yeah i think it's 80 it might even be 82 actually or maybe it's 82 you could do something 40 years later tom atkins is still alive thank god he has to be yeah. a part of this it's 82 well okay. th- that's the thing i mean are you going to tell a new story is there a new silver shamrock i mean is this just the fallout of the events that happened 40 years ago i just i fear that they're going to loop michael myers into this somehow as Probably. a throwaway i hope not I just, it's interesting because I'm like, they know already that it's a six episode series. They've got an idea that they think has some legs. And it just makes me wonder if they're like, hope those are good legs. I hope they're good legs. And I not hope Edward Furlong like, legs. Yeah. Michael Myers mask was actually a silver shamrock mask. He's made of bugs. <laughs> yeah. So something it would be better than this last Halloween. When Halloween dies. Yeah. Hopefully forever. Yes. We don't need no any more. more. No more. So last week I took a little trip down to West Virginia for work. West Virginia is an interesting state there. I primarily stayed in the panhandle outside of Wheeling. I got abducted by aliens in, in West Virginia. You guys so check I out agree. that check out that episode. We did it a couple episodes back. Awesome. Little Art Bell tribute. I will say that West Virginia might single-handedly be keeping cigarette smoking alive for yep. everybody. Everybody and their mother down there just seems to just chimneys constantly. I've not seen that much smoking since 1988 down there. West Virginia I mean, it is really like, like I told when you told me, you're like, it's a weird state. I was like, West Virginia, like has Rhode Island has like four times the amount of people as West Virginia, despite being like a quarter of the size. It's beautiful landscape. It is. It's gorgeous down there. But you've got the whole history of mining there. All sorts of weird shit has happened, but you've got like all the people who've died mining. I mean, there's really no, no industry 
there. It is, it is truly like the backwoods of America. It's almost, it's like you're going back in time six years because they're still somewhat keeping mining alive. I don't know why. Like the highway was backed up because they were mining under the highway. Mm-hmm. Why have they not moved on from something that it should have been gone a long time ago? I remember going to a family reunion in West Virginia when I was probably 10, maybe. It was like the only place I'd ever been until I was like 18 was West Virginia. And it was like I internationally traveled to a, a undeveloped country. It's different. It was so strange. And I stopped at Moundsville State Penitentiary. Check that out because I saw that from Ghost Adventures. That was pretty cool. Went to the smallest, cleanest smelling Goodwill that had absolutely nothing in it. <laughs> it was in the middle of a demilitarized zone. So that was interesting. I've never heard of Wheeling Island. Uh-uh. Like there literally was a bridge to go over to Wheeling Island. Never fucking heard of it. Did you go? I didn't because the traffic was so backed up. Really? I was, it was ridiculous. I just huh. wanted to get back to the hotel. Hotel, big ups to Hampton Inn there in Triadelphia. The number one Hampton Inn rated, it said, in the country. Really? Really good. Cool. Very clean. Did you get a choice or did they booked that for they you? They booked it for okay. me. Okay. And it wasn't cheap. Which was nice. I I had my own king size bed, my own room to myself. Awesome. But hotel rooms need to get a better cable selection. Yeah, it's still kind of brutal. It's not great, but I did watch the movie Greenland finally with Gerard Butler. Mm -hmm. Fucking really good movie. Check it out. All right. So we riffed a while last week about whether Hulk Hogan ever met Michael Jackson. There's two stories. One I maybe believe and one I do not. Hogan is a famous liar. One of my favorite Hogan lies is that Metallica asked him to join the band on bass when Cliff died, which would have been in the middle of Hulkamania. So obviously How definitely nuts is real. That? he says all kinds of crazy stuff. The story I believe is that Hulkster was at Disney when his then wife, his first wife and his kids, Brooke was like seven or eight years old. So that tells you how, how long ago this was probably 25, 30 years ago. They were on a bus or similar. So Disney was um, basically transporting Hogan. I'm sure he had like celebrities at Disney kind of get private treatment and I'm sure he was getting transported they were going to see the fireworks well before the bus or trolley tram whatever it is takes off they stop them and they basically force hogan and his family out because michael jackson came on with his security team and made them move and basically told them do not look at michael do not interact with Michael. But then Michael Jackson came over and apologized to, you know, Hulk Hogan and his family because, but basically there's no reason to fabricate that story. There's like, none. It's not like Hogan trying to put himself over saying Metallica asked him to play bass. There's really no reason. He told that one on a podcast and said it was the only time he met Michael, which proves the other story isn't true, but it's the more fun one. Hogan told Muscle and Health Magazine that he was at Wembley Stadium with Michael Jackson and Mr. T to see Make-A-Wish Kids. He pointed out to EMTs that one of the kids had a bad odor. Really smells bad, brother. And Gotta looked, do something about that, Jack. And looked to be in rough shape. His quote, hey, this kid's in kind of trouble here. Ah. Um, so Hogan said he said his goodbyes, gave the kid a hug and a kiss. Gave, said his prayers, ate his vitamin. Got him and then basically got the kid a roped off section near ringside so that Hogan went and wrestled in the main event. Oh, what's that smell? And he came back. And he asked what happened to the kid. And they said, Hulk, he he died. So Hogan says that the Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band album was written for this kid's family. And Jimmy Hart, they didn't know a producer in the UK. So Jimmy Hart got a hold of Simon Cowell to produce the album. And he said that Cowell produced the wrestling album and Piledriver following Hulk Hogan Wrestling Boot Band. And Hogan takes credit for finding Simon Cowell 
and giving him his start. So Dr. Dre, you know, he found Eminem and 50 Cent. Well, Hulk Hogan found Simon Cowell, who went on to do American Idol and all that. But here's the disclaimer. Simon Cowell did not get involved with WWE until WrestleMania album that was released in 1993. Hulk Hogan has never wrestled at Wembley Stadium. Nope. Even when the WWE ran SummerSlam 92, not on the card, not active with the company. Fucking so he Hogan. literally made up a story, which was published in a magazine that they didn't fact check, where he said he was with Michael Jackson and Mr. T signing autographs for Make-A-Wish Kids at Wembley Stadium that factually did not happen. Fuck, I can't stand Hulk Hogan anymore. He's the absolute worst human on the fucking planet. Almost. Not completely. Kevin, Rolling Stone, I want to talk about this briefly because I think we should dive into this, maybe do a swim meet series on it because I find it completely fascinating. With some of the best, worst movies Movie bad decisions ever. We've had some like some crossover with this because We've we talked, talked about, about like cursed production, the, the helicopter crash. Yeah. So there's some of these on that list. Just so it's just like terrible decision making. Like, for instance, here's one. 20th Century Fox gives up the Star Wars merchandise yeah. and sequel rights for only $500,000. Very bad idea. Like, why in God's well, name would you do that? Will Smith turns down The Matrix and Django Unchained. We covered this back in season two. The toy with Richard Pryor trying to make slavery funny. Yeah. That was a great episode we did, but what a subject matter to try to make a slavery comedy movie. Talked about Ernest last week. Ernest goes to Africa. I forget that that even exists because I think I just tried to delete it from my brain. Everyone loves Ernest Scared Stupid and the Ernest Christmas movie and, and Ernest Goes to Camp. Ernest Goes to Africa. And I don't even is, remember that. Exactly. It's so stereotypically like racist. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And kids don't remember that or don't forget that Howard the Duck nearly killed the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. You guys want to watch Duck Sex? Yup. That happened. Why in God's name did Howard the Duck ever become a thing? And I feel bad that Cleveland was also a part of Howard the Duck. Yeah. We did discuss the uncomfortable scene in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh. The bait and switch. I mean, it is flat out. It is a rape scene. It's rape. It clearly is rape. I don't know how else you want to take it as. It's fucking disgusting, and it's absolute rape. And the big one on here is there was a movie with John Wayne in it. So he did a movie back in 1956 called The Conqueror. And it has been somewhat proven down the road from science that this racist fucking movie actually gave the entire cast cancer and probably led to the death of John Wayne himself because they filmed this out in the Nevada desert near the nuclear test sites. What in God's name were they doing? Because back then they didn't think radiation was a thing and you find out that a ton of people just came down with cancer and same for the Duke. That one, I mean, rightfully but John Wayne smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. He smoked a ton. But that one rightfully makes this list. Now some of these aren't fair like Whoopi Goldberg did Theodore Rex that's the 19th worst decision in history that's not I mean people do this shit all the time no you know they think they're going to make a movie that's going to resonate with families and kids Kevin number two here I learned I was today years old Burt Reynolds turns down James yeah. Bond the Godfather Star Wars Pretty Woman and one flew over the cuckoo's that's desk. a historic run of past movies that is so bad and you think about it like he turned all he could have been fucking James Bond yeah. could have been James Bond but no 
I'm going to do Cop in the Half, Smokey and the Bandit 3, and Not Another, Not Another Movie. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, there's, I mean, a lot of these are obvious. And again, there's a lot of, like, they're overly harsh. Like, they talked about Lord and Miller getting fired from Solo and being taken over by Ron Howard. Solo's not that bad. No. I think it's okay. And, like, it just got shit on but like disney's stupid you bring in these directors who you know what they do and then don't let them do it so why bring them in now matt damon that's an interesting one he turned down avatar which would have included 10 percent of box office receipts and look what that made highest grossing movie of all time and they re-released it and it made even more he so he would have probably got paid 50 million dollars be in the movie and then made another uh $200 million or something or And he whatever makes fun of the fact he kicks himself in the ass yeah. every day about it. Here's one and it ties into my other thing I want to talk about. So in 2000, Blockbuster gets an offer to buy Netflix for $50 million and said no. They And they had it, I'm sure. Unbelievable. And the funny thing is we can tie that into today. Netflix just sent out its very last DVD physical copy rental that Netflix was started upon. We all did it. We all did the Netflix, get the DVDs the next day, mail them back whenever you want. And Kevin, little trivia, do you know what the first Netflix DVD movie that was sent out to rent? I think we talked about this, but I don't remember what it was. Beetlejuice. All right. The uh, last thing I will talk about is that when this episode comes out, I will be in Tennessee. So I turn 40 years old this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome. I think the only other than maybe my 21st, maybe 1821. In, in 1821. In 1821, when I turned 40, I'm a time traveler. <laughs> Another Art Bell episode coming up. You're a time cop. <laughs> time cop. <laughs> I'm time caster. I'm a podcaster from the future. Um, no, I think iconic birthdays are like 18, 21, maybe 30. 30 depressed. 30 me. is a very depressing 40, birthday. 40, I didn't care. F exactly. So I'm turning 40 this year. Uh, it's like a milestone birthday, but we're going to... So my 10-year wedding anniversary is also in a couple of weeks, and we're going to do a trip. So kind of tag team... Back again. Ten, back again. Check it direct. Now let's begin. With enthusiasm, though. Yeah. Well, I had as much enthusiasm <laughs> as the people who were on set for yeah. 42 hours. So we're going to have a little bit of a trip for 10-year wedding anniversary anniversary and my 40th birthday and we're going to Tennessee. We're staying at a, a hotel straight out of a Hallmark Christmas movie. Your dream. It is the Christmas Inn. Oh, it looks God damn incredible. It. Uh, you are going to um, be boned up for that place. So we're going to, I'm going to be in a, live my Hallmark Christmas movie dreams. Then we're going to do the um, Halloween adjacent, which Halloween's my, my true love. I just love Hallmark Christmas movies. We're going to do the Halloween events at Dollywood. We're going to be in the, uh, in the mountains, Smokies, going to stay up there. Yeah. Just check some stuff out and should be a, a good little trip. That'll be fun. Um, so that'll be, and hopefully I get to ride, you know, knock on wood. My goal is to ride lightning rod, which, if you listen to our coaster episode, you know, we talked a lot of, so RMCs are, you know, some of my favorite coasters. Lightning Rod is, as far as I know, the only launch lift launch hill. RMC. Lift, RMC. Yeah. And because the coaster is down so much due to that launch, they're replacing the launch with a traditional chain lift. Hopefully. Knock on wood, you get to ride the last iteration. Yeah, of I'm, that I didn't launch. get to ride the iteration before they added yeah. all the brakes, but I'm hoping 
hoping to ride lightning rod while it's still a launch rmc but the reason i mean it's down all the time that's the problem people that go to dollywood like lightning rods almost never running if it's running i'm just gonna have to wait as long as it takes to, to wait if it's three hours i'm waiting you're parking in that line man I'm parking in the line wait for three hours because i want to ride lightning rod i want to get some cinnamon bread which is a big thing at, at dollywood better than potato patch fries at kennywood bullshit it's french <laughs> fries yeah all right well this was a fun one um we are still looking for ideas for a, a halloween episode i think we've kind of narrowed it down yes um so we're gonna do a halloween special and we're also going to be do we want to announce this we're gonna tell let's do what's it going come on. on let's let's pull back the curtain so i think so next starting next week hockey season's getting started that's NHL right. hockey season we're not the biggest hockey fans we appreciate it we hockey. appreciate it we love nhl 94 and hockey movies nordiques so we're gonna do a hockey month yes and we won't spoil which movies we're doing but when you when you think about it and narrow it down there's really a lot of great hockey movies excellent ones so next week we will do the first of our hockey movies and uh, so stay tuned for that but until next week silencia